You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guider. Guider provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guider.legal and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legal Community Podcast. I'm Lisa Rozier, joined with Guy Remond, and our special guest today is Chief Technology Officer Andy Beacock from Guider. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you very much. Really excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we always like to take this time to learn a little bit about our guests and and get some insights, and then we always spiral into a wonderful conversation. So before we kick off, Guy, do you want to have anything to say over to Andy before he gives us a rundown of his resume? No. I mean, <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to tell you the story about me and Andy just very quickly, right, the background. Awesome. So we've actually known each other for 20-odd years, but we kind of just meet sporadically, usually at tech events. So we've kind of followed each other's careers and and we've seen, you know, my company grow from really small company into something just a little bit bigger. And, you know, I've watched him from being a junior engineer when you first came to some of the Java a user group events, Andy, if you remember, yep. at the in Manchester University, all the way through to leading some fairly serious teams in some big organizations more recently. And we got talking over LinkedIn and it was at the time when I was looking for a CTO. We wanted to meet and Andy said, well, what about this day? I said, well, I can't my way. He says, well, where are you going? I said, a beef. He says, well, I'm going to a beef. And, and it turns out that we were in a, in a beef at this Balearic Isle over the same period, 20 minutes away from each other in, in the car, so literally round the corner. So we, we arranged to meet up and we actually caught up probably best part of 15, 20 years worth of stuff that had happened in our lives over a few beers on the beach uh, at a beach club in Ibiza, Andy. That's, that's what happened, isn't it? That's the it background. Was, it was. And we, somehow we managed to condense about 15 years into three hours. Over oh, beer. Yeah, well, what is, yeah, what and, probably about an hour and a half each. Because <laughs> it was like, right, you tell me a bit about yours. No, I'll tell mine. Now you, now you, now you. Okay, great seeing you, guy. Bye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But no, it was, a, it was a great, great afternoon. And this. yeah, the start of uh, the start of our sort of working relationship and, and then into Guider. That's the start awesome. of something beautiful. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. And our listeners, Dave Zampano, just jumped in on the call as well. So, Dave, thanks for joining. I was thinking the start of something beautiful, but they, they don't get to see the visual picture here. They only get in the audience. <laughs> that is the benefit of, uh, of uh, podcast days. We, 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 we can exaggerate and elaborate a little bit. Absolutely. So that was a great segue into Andy. You know, we know how you and Guy found each other in the history and whatnot and how you blossomed into Guider. But what's the background? Where have you been? What's yeah, that? where I've been, I like that. Where <laughs> I been. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess kind of let, let's wind back to, you know, university, really. And I decided back in the early 90s that computer science was a little bit too niche and that maybe I should take something a little bit broader with more opportunities and choose electronics. Now, I mean, you know, five years later, I was just like, why did I even make that decision? Why didn't I go straight for computers? But I chose to do electronic engineering, and after about two of the three years of the degree course, realized wasn't that good at electronics, but all the computer aspects, all the computer architecture, hardware, software, programming that was also part of that course, I really enjoyed, really got it. It, it just went in. I just understood it straight away. 
And so I realized, right, that's going to be where I need to get. So made sure my final project, final year project was in programming, managed to convince a very small software security company in a northern town of Bolton in the UK, managed to convince them that although I was an electronic engineer, I really was going to be their programmer that they needed. They took a gamble and it paid off. So that was my first job, programming little software security keys and really getting sort of into the the nuts and bolts of the the PC and, and other computers. Then transitioned from there into mobile and telecoms. So worked for three different companies. One was doing like voicemail platforms, platforms where you phone up and you get the recorded voice asking you, press one for this, press two for that, press seven. I built I built those systems. I wrote those systems. Used that to get myself a job over in the States, working for Nokia in Massachusetts at the start of the dot-com explosion. And had already transitioned into Java and into the web by then. So I built my first, the first company website I built was in 1997. I actually found it the other day on on the Wayback Machine, some screenshots (laughs) of what it looked like. I'll have to show you sometime, but it's awful. So yeah, worked for Nokia during the dot-com boom and then subsequent bust. I came back to the UK, moved into text messaging competitions, text messaging applications, picture messages, video messages. Just as the iPhone's coming out, I'm like, I am sick of telecoms. I've been doing it for 10 years. I want to do something else. And uh, everyone thought I was crazy because, you know, the iPhone's taking off, the apps are coming out. There's a whole new developer world, but I was just bored of telco and those environments. So I moved into financial services, worked for a life assurance company, basically taking all of their backend systems and putting them online, web enabled, meaning customers can self-serve their products rather than having to send in paper forms or sit in an office and fill out forms. They could actually do this for the rest of it. And then from there, tried a few other things, dabbled in retail for a bit and a little bit in rental. And now here I am at Guider on the uh, on the legal side and CTO of Guider. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is welcome to the legal industry. What does Dave, what do you say? We're how many years behind the... Oh. <laughs> In Archaic. <laughs> Just uh, when I think about it, I think of a big stone and then a, a guy in a like a little strap around his waist holding a big chisel and a sledgehammer made of rock. <laughs> That's my visual. Yeah. I was going to yeah. give you a bit more credit than that, Dave. I was going to say that the fax machine to new gizmo in your world. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then I'm going to jump in and I'm going to say for someone that works with a lot of law firms, you know, they're starting to slowly embrace technology, understand certain things. But I think, Andy, you and I have had this conversation before about the simple things on security and SSL certificates, right? So we are seeing the legal industry slowly embracing with the digitization of law, the digital platform, and they're opening their eyes to possibility and maybe they're ready to have that conversation a little bit more about, oh, you mean I can have a website that's and, working? And that's what we're here for, Lisa, isn't it? <laughs> that's we're here to, to, to help and educate and just make, you know, the digitization of law way easier than it, than it you know, would be if they didn't come and speak to us. I mean, just something to add in there as well. You know, if we try to be doing the digitization of law 15 years ago or 20 years ago, we'd be a really uphill struggle. But now what have you got? You've got online shopping everywhere. You know, the pandemic drove so many people to do all of their lives online. 
securely and easily. Online shopping and you know grocery shopping, etc., has been around for years now. So hopefully, you know, all of those services that the majority of people are using will actually help people understand the internet can be a safe and supportive place where you can get stuff done quickly and easily. Yeah, and Dave, from a legal perspective, I mean, what what kind of besides the fact that you know the word you said archaic? <laughs> well, I'm over exactly. overzealous. Oh, of course you but, are. But here's the thing: lawyers think you know submitting something through email is technology. The fact that courts let you submit papers, right? That's not technology. That's the use of email. Okay, technology. What I've learned and what I think the lawyers who have engaged in this conversation that we talk about in the book have seen is you'll know you're getting more technologically advanced when you start to get excited when you hear about what it's going to do rather than afraid. And the biggest difference is this. If you think about it, when when we talk about the word digital in the book, the digitization of law. And I've talked about this in in other podcasts. Lawyers don't know what that term means. But the way I've come to understand it is email is a form of digital, right? Anything that you're using that goes through a phone or electronics or goes through the world, the internet, that's digital. But but what digital means and what we're talking about when we're talking about how do we digitize law, it's how do we digitize us as the lawyers, which means don't get afraid when I say this. How do we replace us? How do we replace our staff in the tasks that can be digitized? And that's the critical distinction. When you think about, I say this all the time, digitization of law means, you know what? When a call comes into your office, how good is your receptionist at taking that call and making them a client? Well, do you know how many calls came into your office last week? Well, you might or you might not. If you don't, you're not digital. Digital is understanding everything that's happening and measuring those metrics, but also eliminating it. So, for example, if you've got a website and that's doing proper data harvesting, you don't have to worry about human error. You don't have to worry about if your client service coordinator called in sick today or if you got somebody having a bad day and they don't have the normal patience they would have on a person who does intake call because if we do it right, that could all be done digitally. All the things we want to have our client service coordinators doing the things technology can't do, which is relationships, trust, giving people confidence, right? That's what you want. And that's digitization of law. How do we take functions and roles of lawyers? And this is what I think, Andy, you're doing, because I know you work with me, you work with a lot of lawyers as we're building stuff. It's all about How do we take those things that lawyers do or people in their office do, and how do we make them digital, automated, so that can happen without the lawyer or the the client service person? What do you say about that, Andy? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you know, think about that kind of that that first proper sit down with the client. You're collecting an awful lot of information about the client, their family, their personal situation. We can collect that electronically. We can collect that digitally in an online form. You you don't have to sit there and say, what's your date of birth? What's your address? Like, You're not providing any real sort of intelligent value at that point. So let's take that away. Let's save your time from the data collection part. 
we can then present that information nicely to you on a nicely formatted web page on a screen in front of you. Then, as the intelligent lawyer, an expert in their field, then you can apply and become, you know, and actually show where your skill is there. And you've actually saved an awful lot of time that you can then spend doing that valuable work for somebody else. Yeah. Well, I think also, I think what you're saying here, Andrew, and again, I, I like to put this to like real application. So for example, I know in our practice, we have the process where we train people in a workshop, right? And then they learn all this stuff. And then we say, come into a vision meeting and we're going to take you through all the stories we talked in the workshop. And you're going to tell us how important each one of those things are. And based on each one of those things you told us are important and which ones are not important, we're going to give you three options to accomplish those things that you said were important. That process in my office encompasses the initial contact with the client service coordinator, client service coordinator, enrolling them into the workshop, sending them an invite to the workshop, making a follow-up to remind them to come to the workshop. Then the workshop occurs, confirming they did come to the workshop, getting their evaluation from the workshop, then following up with them again to schedule their meeting to get their vision meeting done. Then follow up another reminder, email or letter. Hey, don't forget your vision meeting. A reminder call. Hey, your meeting's tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you. Then they come in and I do the whole meeting and I get them to score each one of those things. Now, how many hours? And then I say, okay, based on all these things where you say, I give these three options. And they say, okay, I like option three. How many hours? was that in my firm's time? And how many places were there that the ball could have gotten dropped at any given time by any circumstance of life? Now, to take that whole process and digitize it, where someone at midnight or 2 a.m., they work through 3 to 11 shift, they come home, they have dinner at midnight, and then at 1 or 2, they're watching TV, or they decide, hey, I want to do my estate plan. Imagine they can go through that whole process in 30 minutes. That's digitization. And I'm not saying it takes away for the people that want to do it the traditional way. They can still call my office and still have all those interactions and still come into the live and still do all the other things. But this is about an and, not an or. I think, Dave, I mean, what you talked about there is all about efficiency. It's about effective delegation of the, the really basic tasks, as Andy pointed out, to, to a computer. And that makes everything more efficient. And I'm going to take the conversation on slightly because you guys have covered that really well. I'm going to talk about uh, our old favorite, to be honest, is mindset. So the mindset of the consumers has shifted in a big way. Some people were already in the mindset that they want to do things in their own time, at their own convenience, and they only want to speak to someone when they actually want to speak to someone. If they don't need to, they're quite happy doing it digitally. But what we found with COVID, as Andy's pointed out, is that that whole thing, that whole mindset has accelerated and proliferated, putting at the uh, computer, as I said that. And more and more consumers have that mindset and, and they, you know, they automatically expect actually services to be provided online where it's a simple data entry service. And if they want to speak to a lawyer, they want to be able to speak to a lawyer. And that's the beauty of the platform we've built. You know, it is this kind of hybrid notion where... Uh, people self-serve. At the end, it's looked at by a lawyer, their local lawyer, and you know they make sure it's legally correct. If there's any suggestions to make, they will do, but probably nine out of ten of the wills will be fine, and the lawyer will go, yeah, that's absolutely fine. You've done everything correct, and everyone's happy. So I think you know the consumer mindsets have shifted, and I think some lawyer mindsets have either shifted or are shifting. And I think in reality, even even what, you know, Dave has previously described as the laggards, they are aware 
that they need to do something. They're just more hesitant. So it's just a mindset shift. So I think, you know, consumers on the whole, that mindset's already moved on and they expect these services. I think the the lawyers are getting there and the platform helps them with that. And, you know, this this is the beauty of Guider. It, It helps law firms digitize appropriate services that allows the lawyers to be really efficient and do what they've been trained to do and what they're intellectually capable of, which is do the really complex stuff, do the human stuff, do the relationship stuff. And one of the things I would say as well is that when you engage with someone digitally, you may not have had them as a customer. So you'd have missed out on that piece of business as number one, but you'd also missed out on that initial relationship. And actually what we're finding with some of our clients is that even though they don't have to, at the end of the process, they're actually phoning up and speaking to the customers to say, hey, I've checked you will. It's all good. And I just wanted to say hi. And if you've got any other issues or you need something a little bit more complex, then, you know, we're here. And it's kind of, it's, a, it's almost be, becomes a marketing platform at that point and a lead generation platform and, and relationship building platform. So, you know, there's lots and lots of good reasons why all lawyers should be looking at something like this. Yeah, I just want to pick up on one thing you said, Guy, because I want to just emphasize the sort of the word you use for self-serve, as in we are a self-serve platform, but we're not one of the self-help platforms. We ha- we're not removing the lawyer from the picture and, and you know, you go in, you fill out some information and the lawyer is not part of it. There's a self-serve aspect to, to filling it out. As Dave mentioned, you know, you've been on a night shift, it's three in the morning and you can fill out everything you need for your will. But then it goes to your local lawyer and awaits them to review it, to just make sure everything's fine, to maybe see if there's additional services that you've missed. You might have mentioned you've got children, but you've not added them on. There's some additional add-on products there. So it actually still goes to the lawyer, but it goes to the lawyer at a time when the lawyer can deal with it, but also the person might at that point then be in bed, right? But they can then have their documents reviewed and then that interchange going backwards and forwards. So it's still tying the lawyer in, with that kind of self-serve model, it's not replacing or removing the lawyer from that engagement. Andrew, I'd love to ask you a question. I know we, we got to start wrapping here in a minute, but you've been in a lot of digital places. You sit in a digital seat. You know, you're a programmer, you're an architect. Since joining Guider, what's been different? What, what would you say is something uniquely different about what you're doing at Guider from what you've done at other roles? Yeah, so a lot of the other items before have been almost, you know, to, to carry on with that sort of self-help, very much removing people from a service. So at one point around getting digital ringtones and wallpapers for your phone, you'd, you'd sometimes go into, a sh- into an actual shop and buy a wallpaper and then somebody would plug your phone in and upload it onto your phone and charge you $5, $10 and say, thank you very much. It was removing that thing. It was going completely to electronic shopping or internet shopping, completely removing humans from the process. What I really like with the guider model and what is really sort of engaging for me is how we build appropriate technology services and products for the lawyers to engage with and to support the lawyers, to actually kind of mesh together this digital world and this real in-person world. And that, for me, is like the real attraction of working at Guider and building the technology stacks that we're doing here. True. And it's got to be rewarding that it's almost like the bringing together of two worlds, not exclusion. I love that. I hadn't thought of that before. So, and that does 
pose new, I'm sure, challenges for you as a programmer because you don't have to rely just on what you know. You have to now rely on, okay, how do we build this in a way that's effective for the consumer and for the lawyer? So it it's actually adds a couple layers of complexity onto straight programming, it would seem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've got that human interaction happening on both sides. On both the lawyer side and well, the keep up the side. good work. You know, we've got a lot of good, <laughs> good feedback upon people using it, have said how easy it is and things of that nature. And that's due to the hard work of the programming and all the work yeah. you guys have done. And I think it's important for people to understand that it's not one and done. Programming is every day, twists yeah. and turns and different things. And you're always on your toes doing something different. And I think the average consumer probably doesn't realize that. So sorry, Lisa, it's a really good point. You know, it's this idea of continual improvement and development. And absolutely, I think all good platforms, listen, there there are choices out there. You know, there's lots of different CRM systems. There's lots of different HR systems. And, you know, people have choices. And the way you have to deal with that is you have to stay ahead of the game. So every platform that's worth its salt will continually evolve and adopt the new technologies and, and processes that come out and add new features and, you know, try and stay ahead of the game and stay sufficiently differentiated from the competitors that you, you are compelling. Yep. I think, you know, it's very safe to say the team that's been built with Guider, it's definitely ahead of the curve and we're always staying ahead of the curve to provide the best end user experience, not just for the member lawyers, but for the consumers also. Okay. Well, we're getting ready to wrap up. Andy, thank you so much for your time and loved your story. And I just a really quick thing. I want to go all the way back to you and Guy having some beer. Mm-hmm. And is there a little thing you want to share with our listeners about your passion for beer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So one of my one of my alter egos is the Ormskirt Baron, which was basically my sort of uh, nickname for doing craft beer reviews. I started that in about 2008 and, and ran a website and a podcast, the first UK beer review podcast. I ran that for 10 years as well. Awesome. We've, kind of wrapped, we've wrapped it up now, but yeah, that was a, a good journey through the whole craft beer. So yes, it is very yep. much in my heart. Going out with Andy on a night out and having a couple of drinks is is, is an education that I never expected. But you know, well, I'm looking forward to getting that education. <laughs> next time, Dave. Next time. Yeah. We're, we're over. We're over next. For our listeners, the look on Andy's face when I was teeing him up with this. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Where are we going here? <laughs> Where are we going with this? Anyway, great conversation. And we wish you the best of luck over as Chief Technology with Guider. And for all of our listeners, you can catch up on additional episodes just by going to guider.legal, clicking on the Legal Community Podcast button where you will be able to get a plethora of different episodes and insights. Thank you again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.